Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Nihongo Master Podcast. I'm your host Azra, and we've come to the final episode of Season 5, Life and Living in Japan. We kicked the season off with the pros and cons list in the first episode, so we're closing it off with this topic, what they don't tell you about life in Japan. It's a repetitive point throughout the season that the experience when travelling to Japan and living here are extremely different. So different that it's not even comparable. When it's just a short trip, you're in that holiday mood. You see the best parts of the country and overlook the not-so-good ones. When you've been living in the country for a while, can't help but acknowledge both sides. Now, in no way is this episode trying to scare you off from living your best life in Japan. Everyone's experience of living in Japan is different and personal. So if anything, I encourage everyone to give it a go. This finale episode is to give you a little insight from one perspective and experience. Mine. Oh, and also to recap the topics and learning points of this season. I've broken the pointers down into five. So without further ado, let's get into it, shall we? The first and foremost thing that not many people would tell you about living in Japan is the language. Now, hear me out. I'll break this section down even further to two points. The first one is, English can be sufficient. I say this very loosely, because I still believe that you have a hell of a better time if you do speak Japanese. If you don't have the language skills yet when you move to Japan, it's not the end of the world. You can definitely still survive. Many foreigners who move to Japan come here for work, or shigoto in Japanese, and more often than not, it's working as an English teacher. We'll look at jobs and working in Japan in the next season, so stay tuned. So when your job is to teach English, and when you're doing that by only using English, acquiring the Japanese language skill becomes slightly unnecessary. I know more than a few people myself that live or have lived in Japan and know zero Japanese. But as we all know, Japan's first gengo which means language, is Japanese. However, most, if not all, of them learn English while they were still in high school, so they have chotto understanding of the English language. But because they don't have the opportunity to use it every day, not everyone can communicate in it. And that brings me to my second point of this section, the language barrier. While you can get by with just English, there's still quite a hindrance when you don't know the language of at least conversational level. Ego services aren't always available, for example, not all facilities like clinics and post offices have English-friendly options. If you travel to Japan, you wouldn't have to experience this type of situation. But when you live in Japan and need to pop by the Kuyakusho ward office every now and then, it becomes an issue. Not having the Japanese language ability also affects your job opportunities. We've talked about this a bit in the first episode of the season, pros and cons of living in Japan. So check that out if you haven't. I'll briefly mention what we discussed about and that it's easy to get a job in Japan. And while that is true, Japan has an abundance of positions that need filling. It doesn't mean you have the longest list of options if you're not bilingual. Other than English teaching, there aren't as many other positions that don't require Japanese, as compared to those that need it, maybe with an international company that has a branch in Japan. You would also need to have at least a JLPT N3 level to be considered to work in a Japanese company, or so I'm told. But sometimes, even being fluent, or pera pera in Japanese, might not be enough. Here's the thing though, you're not likely to be given the same opportunities that a local would. It goes without saying that you're definitely paid higher than if you were to be working as an English teacher, but don't be surprised if you're not on par with your Japanese toryo co-workers. So, to conclude, you can definitely live in Japan without learning the language, but it wouldn't be as convenient at the slightest. Knowing even a little bit of Japanese can have your day-to-day -day tasks run a little smoother and a bit more Japanese can get you a bit more moolah in the paycheck. Here's a quick vocab recap. 
Shigoto, work or job. Gengo, language. Kuyakusho, word office. Pera pera, fluent in a language. Doryo, co-workers. Moving on to our second point. What people don't really tell you about living in Japan is that you aren't really fully accepted in society. Even if you've reached the maximum potential of fluency in Japanese, you still don't make the cut. One can spend years and years burying their heads in Japanese language books without knowing that the end result might not be what they expected. I've experienced this myself, and some of my friends have too, where a local Japanese said to us, This translates to, You're a foreigner, so it can't be helped. Whether it's to understand a certain cultural subtlety or comprehend what's going on, sometimes people can assume that because one's a foreigner, them not understanding can be shrugged off. Japanese people have pride in their bunka culture and their heritage. It's said that in the past, during cultural studies in Japan, you could only be truly accepted if you have the Japanese blood, the language, and be from Japan itself. We're physically incapable to satisfy all three. And only one is within our control. This isn't so much of a thing anymore, especially not in the big cities where it's becoming normal to see a mix of people in the crowd. The younger generation definitely has a different perspective, but I can't fully dismiss the idea that certain areas of Japan might still think like this. And before we get too negative about this point, I'll say this, and that's okay, for now. Cultural differences are always going to be there. And I feel that it's completely normal to not understand someone else's culture, which is not ours, fully. The only thing we can do is not let our spirits get affected or be disheartened, and continue showing interest in Japanese language, culture, and Japan as a country. Ma, shogunai ne? There's actually an episode that we spill more insights and secrets about life in Japan. Season 5, episode 7, where we were joined by a special guest, TikToker Cyberbunny. Check that one out if you're curious. Now, for a quick vocab recap. Gaikokujin, foreigner. It can sometimes be shortened to Gaijin, Shoganai, it can't be helped. Bunka, culture. Moving on to our third point, and more towards a positive one. There's this Gaijin standard that not many people know about life in Japan. Our previous point is also considered the Gaijin standard, more on the negative side, but hear me out. There's also the positive side of this. See, in Japanese culture, there's a specific standard that they have for themselves. Everything from rank in society to the working hierarchy system. Everything has to be pittari, which means precise. The benchmark is set pretty high. Combine this with other culturally unique things about Japan, listen to our episode on culture shock, season 5, episode 3, and it can be pretty overwhelming for a gaijin. But here comes the best part. Gaijin sometimes get a free pass or two. For the most part, foreigners aren't expected to live up to these expectations because we're not raised in the same culture. Basically, the standard of not having a standard is the gaijin standard. What I'm saying is, we can sometimes get away with certain things, like the unspoken rules and social protocols. The locals don't expect us to know them. If a Japanese person doesn't follow the rules, they're judged harshly. Us? They let it slide. For example, I'm guilty of taking advantage of this gaijin card. There's a strict no-no to talking on the phone in trains, but I'm constantly guilty of doing that. Rather than getting death stares from other passengers, they usually shrug it off, but I definitely need to not do it anymore. Zayaku ka no kanjiro yo? 
But anyway, my Japanese friends, or tomodachi in Japanese, are always happy to teach me the correct ways instead of getting offended. We should always try our best to integrate into society. When in Rome, do as the Romans do, am I right? If you're stuck as to how to make a friend or two in Japan, our season 5 episode 10, How to Socialize in Japan, has a few pointers for you. Okay, let's recap the vocab, shall we? Pittari, precise or accurate. Zayakukan, sense of guilt. Kanjiru, to feel. Tomodachi, friend. By the way, if you haven't checked out our official website yet, why not give it a browse? At Nihongo Master, we offer efficient Japanese lessons that are quick, easy, and fun for Japanese language learners of all levels, from beginners to advanced. Our smart tools will assist you in areas where you need a little bit of a push and congratulate you on the ones you waste. With a community of over 50,000 Japanese students, you're not alone on your learning journey. Make new friends and improve together with our point system, collecting points as you go along. Ask away any questions you have on our group discussion pages. There's sure to be others as well as our Japanese instructors that are quick to answer. You can also take Nihongo Master with you on the go and learn Japanese as you trot the globe. Practical, right? The fourth thing that you wouldn't be told usually about life in Japan is the cost. Japan is consistently ranked as having one of the highest average costs of living in the world. Some say that spending two weeks in the US is spending only five days in Japan. In Season 5, Episode 14, we discussed on how to live in Japan on a budget, basically cutting down expenses from general migrating to day-to-day spendings. It's definitely possible for one to move to Japan without a lot of savings, but let's not overlook the fact that living in Japan can be costly, especially if you're not responsible with your money. Daily expenses can add up to $2,700 US per month on average. This is including rent, which is yachin in Japanese. Just rent alone can range from US dollars to US dollars in the capital city of Tokyo, and that's not inclusive of utility costs. And then we have shokuryohin, groceries, which is generally more expensive because a lot of products are imported. We also mentioned in one of our previous episodes that imported goods are cheaper than domestically produced ones. So if imported groceries are already expensive, best to pass on the local apples, eh? One good thing though, is that Japan is well known for its excellent healthcare system. If you have health insurance, which is kokumin kenko hoken in Japanese, which is compulsory for every resident, 70% of medical costs are covered. You can even get the remaining 30% covered with private health insurance, especially for extensive medical care. But we can't ignore that living in Japan can be expensive. You'll live a comfortable life. Will you be saving tons? Well, that depends on how much you're earning. Here's a quick vocab recap. Yachin, rent. Shokuryohin, groceries. Kokumin Kenko Hoken, national health insurance. Last but not least, the final point not everyone tells you about living in Japan is the mendoksai, troublesome, settling down procedure. There are a lot of things involved when you move to another country. That goes without saying. But to move to Japan... There are extra steps that not many other countries have. We have a step-by-step guide to settling down in Japan, though, and that's Season 5, Episode 12. Boy, I wish I had everything spelled out for me before I moved to Japan. It would have been so much easier. But it still takes quite a bit out of you. Everything from registration to getting everything all set up requires extra effort and time. If your Japanese is great, 
you'll probably have less of a hassle compared to the rest of us. But that's not all that's Mendoxai. I've spent the past two years of living in Japan moving from one house to another, or hikkoshisuru in Japanese. Now that's the tough one. We've highlighted the best types of housing in Japan in Season 5, Episode 5. Check that one out if you haven't. But what we didn't go into detail is the hassle that comes with it. Being a foreigner in Japan can have its perks, but the biggest downside for me is the housing. While there are tons of companies offering English-speaking services for leasing, you wouldn't be given the same options as locals. Heck, even if you speak fluent Japanese, you still might not get the full listing. Now that's because some apartments are strictly for locals only. No gaikokujin allowed. Ask me why that's so, I don't know. Some say it's because there's a misconception the locals have for foreigners. And that's that foreigners are noisy. And because Japanese walls are so thin, it might disrupt the peace of the apartment complex. Others say it's because there have been cases where foreigners up and left without notice and not paying what was due. Regardless of what the Ryu reason is, the rejection of staying at a specific apartment because we're not Japanese is still happening to this day. But on the brighter side, there are more and more companies providing English-friendly services and foreigner-friendly listings. So let's not be too bummed. Japan is constantly changing for the better. Here's a quick vocab recap. Mendoksai Troublesome. Hikkoshisuru to move house. Ryu reason. Okay, we'll have a short QA section answering the top questions submitted by you guys. First off, we have ragav underscore 27 on Instagram. Are there any sort of methods that can help us learn kanji quickly? How many kanji does a person have to learn to be able to read more sentences? For me personally, I've used the repetition method where I repeatedly write down the kanji every day until I memorize it. Some of my friends use visual aids like flashcards. Our online learning system has a great kanji drilling technique so it, that is so helpful to memorize new kanji characters. As for how many kanji you require, I'd say up to N3 kanji characters. But even local Japanese people don't know all the kanjis. The next question we have is by kaitokitkuroba1412 on Instagram. What level N test do I have to be before I can speak okay Japanese? I could speak confidently after N4, but this only gets you to conversational level. And in my own personal opinion, this is a pretty good level to just chit-chat casually with others. I'd recommend going up to N3 after that. Hitorwande, I'm assuming it's to spell Hitoride, on Instagram asks, Best grammar reference book for beginners? I don't use a lot of grammar reference books and use a lot of online resources, like Nihongo Master, of course. I did use the Genki series when I started out. Our next question is from dan underscore dot xox on Instagram. Is it easy to find halal restaurants around the area? So halal food is not as easy to find at the moment. In Tokyo, Osaka, and Kyoto, there are more restaurants that are halal and halal friendly, but only in touristy areas. But if you're okay with vegan-friendly, you have more options. Give our Study Study episode on dietary requests a listen, Season 5, Episode 15. We discuss the ways to request your dietary restrictions. Last question for today is mega underscore 0226 on Instagram. What is the lifestyle of Japanese people? An average salaryman or woman goes to work Monday to Friday, 8 to 5. Sometimes, they'll get a few drinks at an izakaya after work on weekdays with colleagues or friends. They'll get smashed on Fridays and Saturdays, and then start their week again. Oh, and karaoke. 
Thank you so much for your questions. I'm sorry we couldn't answer them all, but please do submit more and we'll answer them in the next season. And those are the five pointers that not a lot of people tell you about living in Japan. I must say, there's always the plus and minus to every country. Japan is no exception. My experience and insight can be totally different from the next person. Experience the Japan life for yourself and you can tell us your own insights on our social media platforms. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Also, head over to Nihongo Master blog if you're interested in reading up on topics like these some more. And if you're keen on picking up some more Japanese for yourself, pop onto our official website, nihongomaster.com to learn more. While you're at it, why not get yourself a subscription? Get a head start on your Nihongo journey with Nihongo Master. And thank you so much for listening in. I'll see you next season, where I'll be walking you down another avenue of Japan's rich culture. Mata ne!